welcome to the Luminate Speakeasy podcast, where luminaries from across the planet share their stories of awakening. Hey everyone, welcome to the Luminate Speakeasy. I'm Amy Patti, your host, and this is episode number four. And today I am joined by Michelle Plug. Hello. That's Michelle. And Michelle's um, this just amazing woman. Uh, she's a peer, but also a friend of mine. And I'm going to actually let you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Like, who who's Michelle on the professional, like, kind of Ooh. side? Okay, on the professional side. So I run a television series called Good News with Michelle Plug, and that's a local television show that we hope to make more international through time. We're on YouTube now, and I work in different television outlets as well through commercials and things like that. Um, But my actual background that brought me to this point was through yoga, health and wellness, and fitness. So I've done a lot of meditation over the years, a lot of yoga teacher trainings, and a lot of different spiritual work. So Mm -hmm. I think that's it. Oh, and I'm a writer too. Mm-hmm. How about that? I stay busy. <laughs> yes. So I have a blog on michelleplug.com where I post all different kinds of fun stuff involving health, wellness, spirituality, and ways to improve your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Michelle and I have worked together. We, um, co- we're co-leading, actually, right now, the Life Aphrodisiac e-course, which has been super exciting. And uh, yeah, Michelle's just, she's like a wealth of knowledge and also just beyond her years. I want to say that because I always, when I'm working with Michelle, I'm like, oh, Michelle's my age or, you know, she's cause she brings so much wisdom and it's not like, um, what do you call it? It's not like I read this in a book wisdom, it's embodied wisdom. And so it's been really exciting to get to know her better and to work with her and to draw upon and kind of download some of that wisdom that she carries. And she's, nice a, and, and, she's, <laughs> and she's a fiery, fun woman. So I'll add that too. So I want you to share, let's start with, um, can you share your first memory of waking up, shifting consciousness? So I can't guarantee that this is my first memory. I'm going to say that, but it is what's coming up for me. Um, So after I had been to Kripalu Yoga Center, I was 19 years old. It was my very first teacher training. And I was at the ashram Kripalu for a month living there. No stimulation of the outside world, just spiritual work. And I left there. I came home for about two weeks, had my natural, normal life, and then went to visit a friend in Washington, D.C., that I had been at Kripalu with. And I took a restorative workshop that weekend for a teacher training to start that process. And I don't know if it, what had shifted in my energetic body or my mental state or what kind of opened up for me in a new way. But while I was there, I went to go for a walk and at my friend's house, we were in the heart of DC and he was very adamant with me that I did, I was not to go outside by myself, like, and to always have the door locked. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm here alone. He's at work. I'm going to go out for the day. I'm not going to be stuck inside. But then as I went to leave, I couldn't find the key to like lock the door. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I can't leave. But now I start like kind of panicking. I have this internal panic of 
you know, I don't want to be stuck. I want to have my freedom. I want to be connected to the world around me. I want to be one with the world around me. I don't want to be inside the stupid house. <laughs> so I start kind of freaking out and I start searching the entire house, like high and low. This is not my home. I don't live there. It's him and two roommates. So I'm digging through everybody's stuff like a creepy maniac. And I okay, finally... are you listening? No. <laughs> Does yeah. he know about don't this? Don't let me into your house is what that means. Um, so I sit down, finally giving up completely. So I've searched high and low. I freaked out and I sit down and I'm just like, oh, whatever. And I reach into my pocket and the freaking key is in there. So I'm like, what the hell? And I look at this key and all of a sudden the whole world around me got really blurry and it was almost like a dizzy kind of feeling in a way, but the world was just blurry and in a really lighted form lit format around me. Nothing was specific. Nothing was in its own individual box or identifiable. It was just all kind of molding together into light. And I stood up really slowly and I just had tears run down my face. And it was this moment of absolute blissful awareness. And I didn't know what was happening. Like there was no part of me that needed to identify or figure out what was happening. It was just there. I was just so incredibly present. So I decided to leave. Still, I locked the door, of course. And I started walking around DC with this completely different perspective where I wasn't an individual. I was a part of this magnificent world around me. And I was just, I was one with it. It was like everything I wanted to leave the house for, I got inside of the house. And then when I walked out of the house, I was experiencing it for the first time without it being a me, me, me mental experience, I was experiencing the world as a whole mm-hmm. through my body, mm. through my senses. It was like seeing the world for the first time as it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the most, I would say, almost profound experience that had me shift my my life completely from being so selfishly centered or about my wants and needs and into being focused on how do I be a part of the whole and make it better. Mm -hmm. And that's what really has been my focus ever since. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, I love that story. It's so beautiful because I feel like there's some symbolism in there also about you having the key. Mm -hmm. Like you have the key. Mm -hmm. You can search all over the place for it, but you have the key and it's actually right in your pocket. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, I didn't feel like that's like a spiritual message that is often, you know, like, Everything you're seeking is inside. You know, you've been looking, searching this whole time. What you're searching for is within, you know, that, that message. But it's like it was a very, like, a, a real experience for you and, like, being able to pull out the key and then having this, like, opening and experience. Yeah, sounds really powerful. It was. Yeah, life-changing for sure. Yeah. So that was my first, like, big awakening I can remember. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you were on a spiritual path before then. Yes. I mean, since you did your yoga training when you were 19, you were mm-hmm. at Kripalu when you were 19 years old, you were already pretty serious on a path to choose to go do something like that. So how did you get introduced to your spiritual path, even if it wasn't like a, an alarming, like awakening moment? Obviously something was guiding you at a pretty young age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely at a very young age. So I would, what my great, like a memory that I have that I love so much was laying in nature. So I, I believe that like nature is 
part of God. Nature is part of what is holy and sacred. Nature is part of consciousness. It's getting into nature is what brings me back to that place right away. And as a kid, there was there's no separation between, mm -hmm. you know, there's not the I need to get to nature. You're already in it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you just you're just there. You be it. Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite memories, probably like eight or nine years old, is I would go out in the middle of the day in the summer and I'd lay under this big tree in our front yard in the grass because I think that it's important to actually touch the grass. Mm -hmm. Not always have shoes on, not always have a blanket, mm -hmm. um, but I would just lay in the grass and I would sing and whatever came out of me would just be the lyrics of the song and I would just like roll in the grass and look up at the sky and have all of this experience of absolute connection and this is at a very young age. Um, but as life happens and especially adolescence mm -hmm. happens, a lot shifted and I ended up really disconnected from myself through any types of means possible. I was um, sexually molested when I was about 12 and I think that had me disengaged pretty aggressively from the outer world. Um, and then I started playing with recreational drugs and things like that, disconnecting even more, numbing out, becoming more and more isolated as an individual. And when I was about 14, um, so very young age that I was making all of these wild and crazy decisions, um, when I was about 14, my dad actually asked me if I would go to yoga with him. Mm. And he had been to Bikram Yoga in Florida a couple of times. We lived up here in Minnesota. And I said yes. It sounded weird and funky and different. And I had been a dancer my whole life. Okay, I'll try that. Um, so we went to the company, the dance company that I was at at the time. I thought it was super boring. Mm -hmm. And then he decided <laughs> to take me to Bikram. First Bikram studio in Minnesota. I went to it and I, it was like the best worst experience I'd ever had. And you were was, 14. Yes. Okay. And it was terrible. Like I just, I was... <laughs> I was just writing about this yesterday. So I was sweating out like gushers and surge and all of this, like s'mores, Pop-Tarts and all of this mm. junk that I ate on a daily basis. And I was getting sicker and sicker because especially with hot Bikram yeah. yoga, all of that toxic mm -hmm. ugh, comes out of you. So I just, I remember sitting down three, four times during the class. Um, but then afterwards felt amazing followed by an excruciating headache, mm -hmm. followed by the best night of sleep I'd had in a really long time at the age of 14. And I started at that point making some different choices. And I started going to yoga more regularly. I found um, a different studio that offered flowy vinyasa and I fell madly in love with it. The curiosity, the strengthening, the challenge, but also the ability to just connect to yourself. So that was really my invitation back into first healing myself, getting to know myself again, and then being able to connect with the bigger world. Mm -hmm. So learning to trust again. And that's really been, I think, the biggest practice for me over the years was learning to trust. Mm -hmm. Learning to trust in something bigger than me, learning to trust in each other, ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like learning that trust element has been a huge factor for me. Mm. So mm -hmm. that's what yoga has definitely brought me. Mm. And how amazing that your dad yeah. introduced you to that. Like, what a gift to have yeah. a parent say, hey, I'm going to go do yoga, and do you want to come with me? And did he give you, just curious, did he give you any encouragement around that? Like, you should come because it's going to make you feel better, or if this is a spiritual practice. Was there any dialogue <laughs> around that, or was it like, come, let's go do this class together? Well, it was... Um... <laughs> I got two two answers for this. 
So one of the things I remember him saying to me before I went was very encouraging. And it was just because I hadn't been dancing and he knew that I loved to be in my body. I mean, mm-hmm. as a dancer, you are physical, you flow, you breathe. And I was always a very emotional dancer. So I would like to just move to whatever the music was, mm-hmm. not have necessarily choreography. Um, and yoga has that element. It's like flowing from mm-hmm. your breath, right? Um, so my dad had some insight into that. And he, he had said, you know, I I tried yoga five times, Michelle, so I really think you'd like it, and I'll go with you. Let's just try it. (laughs) Like, it was very, you know, he's an athlete. It was just very, like, let's just do this. This is what all the pro athletes are getting into now, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, okay. (laughs) I love the the voiceover. He's just, that's him. Very Mm -hmm. man's man, dad. So the most embarrassing thing he did, though, this was... This will give you even more insight, and maybe I shouldn't say this. It's going to offend a lot of people, Um, and my dad is an amazing man. Mm -hmm. I want to say that, but he's funny. He's always thinking he's being funny, and politically correct is not on the table. So we're at Yoga Center Minneapolis, and we took the class. He falls asleep at the end, of course, snores as loud as possible. We're leaving. The teacher thanks us for coming, and she says, how would you like the class, sir? And he... He says, oh, I liked it a lot better than that gay Nazi at Bikram. Oh, no. <laughs> you can't say that, Dad. Oh, no. <laughs> at this point, I think I was 15, and I'm looking at him like, oh, you just offended so many people. Oh, no. <laughs> and, of course, the yoga teacher's face is, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just frozen, and how do I respond to this mm-hmm. terrible response? So he starts laughing, and then we laugh uncomfortably, and... Never forgotten him saying that. Mm. I can't mm. wait to meet your dad. I know. He's a character. <laughs> Best man. Sometimes terrible sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's maybe where you get some of your zest. Yeah, and... Probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. Um, so I want to go back to this idea of the key in your pocket mm-hmm. and just kind of use that as a segue into offering the listeners possibly like um, things that... So if they find themselves in a state of panic, if they find themselves triggered, if they find themselves kind of losing their shit and, um, you know, feeling trapped or feeling, you know, when, Mm -hmm. when just, when our, like our inner issues get blown up Mm -hmm. in our face and it makes us feel out of control or whatever, um, we do have a key within to kind of unlock our like that inner peaceful, blissful state of knowing, that state of expansion, that state of connection, all of that, that can bring mm-hmm. us back, you know, mm-hmm. out of those, those like crazy states. And we all experience those crazy states. And I think the more we, we, the more we engage in a solid practice, spiritual practice, ritualistic practice, that kind of helps us anchor back into our center, you know, mm-hmm. the, the less likely we're able, we're, we're going to get thrown way off. We're, st- we're still going to get thrown off because we're just humans living in this crazy, unpredictable world. But what are some keys that keys. people might be able to experiment with, try, that could like be a key that can open up a, a space inside themselves, especially when they are in a state of overwhelm or panic or losing mm-hmm. their shit? Um, so... It's usually the last thing that you want to do is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. That's like the clear sign is it's kind of like, what do I not want to do? Well, when I am in even just overwhelm in my life, not to the degree of extreme awfulness, but just overwhelm, stress, 
The last thing I want to do is get on my yoga mat. The last thing I want to do is meditate. The last thing I want to do is get a massage or take a nap. Like, those are all the last thing that mm-hmm. I want to do. Because What's the first thing that you want to do? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, want to, I want to yell, usually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm being honest. Not at anybody, just in general. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I do just scream when I'm at home alone if I'm in that state. But... Um, I think that it's the last thing you want to do is probably the first thing you need to do. And this goes even into like the conversation you don't want to have, Mm -hmm. the confrontation you don't want to have. Mm -hmm. That's usually what you need to do. Yeah. But it's the last thing you want to do. It's that moment when you think about like, I'm putting this off because I don't want to deal with it. Well, it's going to be easier once it's done. Um, but really my strongest tools are meditation and yoga for me personally. That's what works. Mm -hmm. Um, at this point in my life, it's, not easy, but it's more easy or it's easier to detach from whatever's going on and sit back into a seat of calm and sit back into a seat of witnessing what I'm attached to and why. Mm -hmm. So I really believe that reality is not what we see. Mm -hmm. Um, Our individual reality is how real reality is occurring to us. Mm -hmm. So when we pull back into that seat of the witness or what I call the witness of meditation, um, we're able to detach ourselves from the story or the experience we're caught up in Mm -hmm. and all the truth and all the power that we're giving to it. And from that place of detachment and witnessing, really observe what's the right path Mm -hmm. rather than giving it all this power and emphasis. When we focus on the problem, we can't see a solution, right? So just having that detachment, and I get that from yoga as well, especially Mm -hmm. because I'm in the physical body. Again, like there's power about being physical. So being in the physical body, in the breath, and having those moments of detaching from thought, detaching from the physical sensations Mm -hmm. is a great place to start. So you feel... uh, you know, a burning quadricep from a warrior too. You feel that in your leg and instead of defining it as being really hard work, right? Mm -hmm. So you see all the thoughts that come up, you can pull back, witness, okay, I see that I'm claiming this is all really hard work. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking all of these things, but I'm not those thoughts and Mm -hmm. I'm not that sensation. Mm -hmm. It's occurring for me and I'm choosing how it's occurring for me, whether I'm aware of it or not. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think the real key to pulling back and getting out of overwhelmment is. A key to getting into more connection is the same space, I believe. Mm -hmm. I think it's pulling back from yourself, pulling back from that selfishness that I'm in this and I'm the only one impacted Mm -hmm. mindset or my life so rough, bad, awful, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. Like, that's all. I mean, I don't mean to dishonor anybody. We all have our struggles. But our struggles are also a lot of times illusions. Mm -hmm. There are thought patterns that are controlling things that are happening that we could easily just deal with. Yeah. And we're choosing to struggle instead. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a solution. And when there isn't a solution, the solution is to pull back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. That was a really long answer. I know. I love that I answer. I hope I answered your question. I love that. <laughs> no, you totally answered that question. So what I'm hearing you say is, is one key to getting yourself out of those triggered states, out of overwhelm, out of losing your shit, you know, being reactive, Mm -hmm. um, is to just pull back. Mm -hmm. And I would think that that's takes a a muscle, an inner muscle, and you have to 
you know, how do you, how do you develop that muscle even to pull back? Is it just, you know, hearing this as a suggestion? Yes. And then the next time you're losing your shit, like, okay, what if I go sit down, put the timer on my phone for five minutes and just breathe? Yeah. You know, because sometimes you're so caught up, like you said, Mm -hmm. it's the last thing that you want to do is to sit down. So like, there has to be kind of like, must be like a, uh, like some kind of breaking point where you're like, shit, I just need to. Mm-hmm. Usually people tell you. That's one thing. Okay. <laughs> you, I, I don't think that we listen to the people around us through the clearest way of listening. Because usually people are telling you what to do or what they think you need to do before mm-hmm. you realize you need to do it. Mm-hmm. Like even some people are will be really, most people will be somehow direct. But sometimes you'll just notice people aren't around you. Mm-hmm. They're just avoiding you. And that's probably because you're really being high strung and being or dramatic or all of these different things. Well... Most of the time, people don't want to be around that. They have their own selfish drama they're dealing with. They don't want to deal with yours. Yeah. Um, But as far as, like, preparing for these moments, I would really, I mean, strongly believe that meditation and yoga, as often as possible when life is good, Mm -hmm. is what strengthens those muscles for when life isn't going good. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with practices for happiness. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have, if you're working on developing your happiest life Mm -hmm. and things are okay, like if things are okay, they're okay, but they're not the best they can be. Mm -hmm. And you make the shift so that you're in your happiest state and it's a place that you operate in more often, Mm -hmm. then when stuff goes bad, you know where that place is that you can be and it's Mm -hmm. not as bad. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's twofold. It's saying, okay, I've noticed that I need to sit down and meditate, but I already have strengthened the part of me that knows how to drop into the witness. Yep. I already know how to get there. So yeah. I know I can. I know it's possible. Now I need to sit and meditate. Mm-hmm. So I'm an, I'm a huge advocate of meditation every day. Mm-hmm. I really am. I mm-hmm. think it's important. I think every person can benefit from this. And really that even starts with sitting down and not even going into, uh, I know that for some people meditation is a scary Um, but truthfully, it's just sitting down and becoming aware of your breath, Mm -hmm. becoming aware of your physical body, just observing. Yeah. And that's like the first step of getting to know the witness inside of yourself. The part of you that's aware that you have a physical sensation is the witness. The Mm -hmm. part of you that can feel your breath, that's the witness. Mm -hmm. The part of you that listens to your thoughts. Mm Mm-hmm. All of those are the witness. The part of you that feels the emotions without getting caught up in them. Yeah. That's the witness. Yeah. Um, so I think the more that we practice that when life is good, mm-hmm. the easier it gets when life is difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So you're kind of conditioning yourself. How long would you recommend somebody meditating if they're just starting out? Or how long How long really? I mean, what is the recommendation for people? Yeah, so I would say starting out, first time Five minutes, mm-hmm. honestly. Start with five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, your mind will go nuts. You yeah. will not want to sit there probably the first time or you'll want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You'll think of 9,000 reasons why you should get up or move or scratch your nose. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's staying, breathing, and observing all of those excuses mm-hmm. and reasons and all the stories that come up are all just other things that you get to observe mm-hmm. about your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, our mind wants to escape the present moment. It wants to escape the witness because the witness is the most threatening thing to our ego. Mm -hmm. The part of you that witnesses the ego has more power than the ego. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the truth. It has more power than the ego. Mm -hmm. So the more often we're there, 
the less me, me, me mm-hmm. gets attention. Yeah. So um, I'd say five minutes is plenty to start. If you can do five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, that's a really good way to start out. I do, even now, I think I do 15 minutes in the morning and about five or 10 minutes at night. Mm-hmm. So I like to close the day with a meditation too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But nothing, I remember there were times in my life where I do 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes straight through of meditation and just realize for my lifestyle, it doesn't work, and I can get a lot out of the 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Sit down. Yeah. Be efficient. Of course. Type get, A, fireball. Yeah. I don't want to sit there for 30 minutes. Get, get, be efficient. Get right into that witness mode. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Drop and sink it. Mm-hmm. But then I also do, I mean, I do yoga every day, so it's another yeah. hour yeah. of really practicing all of these things. Yeah. Yes, I'm getting the physicality, the workout, the blah, blah, blah about it, but really that's a spiritual practice for me too. So it gives me another opportunity while in motion to practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So everybody sit your butt down <laughs> for at least five minutes and breathe and start to condition yourself to know where that space is, that space of the witness. That's such a good like reminder to me too. I need to sit my butt down. Um, okay, so we're almost finished with this podcast, but I'm wondering if you would be willing to share something maybe a little vulnerable, something about like your journey presently. Like what mm. what are where where are you presently on your journey? What's really challenging you right now? And yeah, just kind of like a little vulnerable mm-hmm. tidbit about Michelle and where she's at in life right now and mm-hmm. um, what kind of challenges maybe you're working through yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say I've, over the past year, decided that I want to switch from being um, a person that works for myself and into working for someone else and being in a community group environment. Um, and that's a huge adjustment in my entire adult life, I've basically been my own boss, Mm -hmm. um, or been the boss of other people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so working for other people is an adjustment. And at this point I'm, I'm feeling, um, insecure about doing so. Mm -hmm. Like the part of me, um, that really knows and trusts that everything will work out is there, but there's also this very real part of me that doesn't know what this looks like. It doesn't know how it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't know um, really what's going to be the best. And I think that that's really a challenge for me is to continuously drop back into trust mm-hmm. and genuinely believe that it's going to work out and mm-hmm. I'm going to fulfill this need to be working with others, mm-hmm. collaborating to create something better for our world. Mm-hmm. Um, trusting that that will all come with the right company at the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's been a year of working toward it that's Mm -hmm. had a lot of ups and downs and a lot of failures. Um, Failures with my optimistic mindset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Failures are a yes. Mm -hmm. It means that you're saying yes to something else. Mm -hmm. It means that this didn't work out because you actually have a yes in a different direction. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, it's a little bit defeating at the same time, even with that positive mindset. So. Mm -hmm. Hoping that in the next month or so, there's really a lot of clarity around this area. Mm, yeah. 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 Listening to your heart, knowing what your heart desires, but it's an unknown. Yes. And so there's always fear will come up when there's an unknown element and your mind's probably kind of trying to 
You know, your mind has programmed itself a certain way. Like, no, I'm self-employed. I am in charge of other people. I'm doing it this way. You know, and so when your heart starts to speak up against the programming of the mind and is speaking to something that it desires that's unfamiliar or unknown, you know, as simple as like getting a job at a company where you're working in a team, it seems so simple. It seems like, oh yeah, people switch jobs all the time mm-hmm. and do this all the time. But I mean, I, that totally resonates with me too. It's like, and it's not, it's not like how I functioned in this world and we yeah. don't, I think we we sometimes don't realize how programmable like our mind is and you know, you do something a certain way for a certain amount of time, it becomes very ingrained, yes. you know? And so it does take a lot of courage. You know, it seems like, Oh, it's simple. Just, Oh, you want that? Go after that. Like people say sometimes things <laughs> like that casually and certain things you can, yeah. but then other things like we have our own karma around certain things, but when you're in, that's usually the hardest guiding us in that direction. Like, Oh, let's, Let's do this new, this new thing. Yes. Let's take you into new territory. Let's make you expand a little bit. You might be uncomfortable mm-hmm. as you're working towards it, moving towards it. But yes, and then when you get there, you know there might still be some challenges, and there will probably be a settling of yeah. the heart. You know, yeah. Sitting in uncertainty is not. I would say it's not anybody's favorite oh, thing to do. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> I would challenge that this is everybody's least favorite yes. thing, <laughs> sitting in uncertainty. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Completely. Yeah. yeah. Being with uncertainty. And I think that's where that foundation of trust mm-hmm. is needed. You know, yes. that you have a sense of trust in yourself first and foremost, and your own kind of foundation of self. And then from there, being able to trust in the universe or trust in your heart or trust in, yes. you know. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. That's what I would say. So do you have any words of wisdom to leave with the listeners before we wrap this up? Yeah, actually, I think that the most important thing that we do in this lifetime is discover what makes us happy, like true happiness. I'm not talking about selfish happiness, but true happiness. And then love everybody unconditionally. Mm. It's easier to love unconditionally when we're happy. Mm-hmm. So... Don't be afraid to be happy. Find mm. it. That's your job. It's yeah. your biggest job in this life. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much you. for sharing everything, Michelle, with us. And thanks for listening, everyone. Be on the lookout for the next episode coming in a couple weeks. And um, be sure to check out michelleplug.com. That will all be listed on the webpage. Thanks so much. See you next time. Mm.